Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Two Average Brown Bros podcast. I'm your host, Hussein. And I'm your host, Andreas. Oh, Andreas, you're back. I am back. I am here. I did not go missing. Yeah. The, air, the air did not eat me. <laughs> yeah, I think the listeners got tired of me rambling on for two weeks straight. So they're probably, <laughs> they love hearing your voice, I think. I don't know about that, but yes, I'm here. Nice to be back again. Welcome back. And well, now you guys have been up to for the last two, three weeks. Whoa, what would I've been up for the last two weeks? Um, well, honestly, the only thing I've been doing is school. <laughs> it's just been a little bit um, hectic. I mean, I think since the last time I was here, uh, I went to visit Sask for a week. That was very lovely. It's nice to be back in the prairies and visiting friends and all of that. But then it was back to reality of being a grad student so yeah basically just been trying to sort out my life that's why I haven't been here it is hard to sort out my life Uh, so just trying to figure out uh the schedule for this at least for this semester and trying to overplay it for the entire academic year but yeah that's that's what's going on how about you Rishay how are you doing I'm doing good so obviously the listeners already know what I've been up to for the last two weeks uh so I'm not going to go into that. But for the last week, I, uh, well, at the time of this recording, I'll be back in Ottawa starting my brand new job. Um, the last week was pretty nice. I got to spend time with uh, family, obviously, before I left Regina. Mm-hmm. I got to spend time with friends uh, in Regina. So that was a lot of fun. And overall, you know, not a bad end of summer. I know. It's sad to say that it's the end of summer, but I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the autumn to come. I know you are, but when I realized that the sun has already started to be set by, like, it's already dark by 7.30, these days. 7.30, I think it was, I noticed. I was uh, a little bit sad. <laughs> I mean, that's that's something I do not enjoy, is the sun setting early. Um, but I am, even though this is controversial, even though I'm someone from the tropics, um, I, I am just get, I'm just tired of the hot weather. <laughs> so I need my temperate weather. Boom. So low, low, <laughs> low 20s, high teens type of weather. I'm not ready for the low teens, high single value numbers, but I'm ready for temperatures between 17 and 22 degrees. Um, I'm not ready for that, but you know what? We gotta, like we always say, we gotta face what's ahead of us. Exactly. Well, I like it because you know you can still wear shorts, and you can just wear like a nice crew neck or a, a hoodie, so you can still be like because it's not like entirely cold, so you can still do that. Um, you don't have to be all bundled up, which is what I really enjoy about that temperature. You can still play around. That is true. And I remember we talked about it last fall when we, you know, enjoyed our first fall in the East that the color changed and then pumpkin spice latte is coming around. Obviously, there's so much things to look forward to in the fall. I know. I mean, pumpkin spice latte things are already out, which is too early. Too early. (laughs) People like they were released, I'm pretty sure, in August. And I was like, no, it's still summer. You cannot do this. 
Yeah, but I think pumpkin spice, like pumpkin spice, spice anything these days is like people are really pushing to have it all year round. It's not even like known for the fall time anymore. I know, which is like okay, people, you need to stay to the seasons, you know. Agreed. So, Andres, what have you learned since you've left us for so long? What have I learned since I left you? Um. So. On that, um, what have I learned? I've learned so many things, Rishang. A lot of things, of course, in school, but also outside of it. Oh, the one thing that I learned, I shared it with you, but I'll share it with our audience now, with our lovely listeners. It's the plan of a train uh, that will go from Montreal to Boston. Uh, it's a plan. Nothing has been done for it. But they're planning on making, or they're talking, and I don't know if it's ever gonna be made or not. But it's a train from Montreal to Boston overnight, fourteen hours. And I was just like, why is it so long? And it is because it's more of a scenic train. It's not really like a high speed or a commuter train that you just want to get people there. It's a scenic train, so it goes through different towns in Quebec. And then it goes through different towns through, um, pretty sure through Vermont before it hits Boston. So that's something. Um, if they ever do it, I will definitely probably will be taking it because sounds like fun. But at the same time, when you look at it, it's like mm, I could be in Boston in five hours if I were driving. So, <laughs> uh, so one of those things that makes sense, but at the same time, it's just like, mm, is it really worth it? Yeah, I, you know, recently I have been seeing a lot of like those posts on Reddit and even like Twitter and Instagram about how U.S. and Canada, U.S. definitely more because they have bigger population, more means of doing it, but definitely more priority on rail lines across U.S. And because right now most of the people have to rely on planes or cars, and there's really no alternative way of traveling besides those two. I mean, there is Amtrak and, you know, other trains around U.S. Canada, but it's not feasible for the average person time-wise and economic-wise, right? So I definitely agree with you on that sentiment that I wish there was better trains. And, you know, coming to the East, obviously, Via Rail has been great, but sometimes the time, I wish it was faster and a lot cheaper. Yes. Oh, yeah. Someone needs to work on the Via Rail system to make it cheaper. Exactly. And it's not that like, you know, maybe across the prairies, it's a harder to do because there's not as many people. But in the East, I've seen even with the system we have now, I've seen so many riders so that if they improved it, it would just help out even more. Because uh, I think in CBC the other day, I read how a train like lo- like the rail, they lost power and the train was stuck between Toronto and Kingston, I think it was for like almost six, seven, eight hours. It's like, well, that kind of sucks. And people were saying, you know, if it's not reliable, why would we take it? <laughs> yeah, I know that's terrible. Also for a short distance between Toronto and Kingston. Exactly. So I wish, especially like Canada, it is harder because our population is 35 million. But, you know, like I said, I have seen even between Toronto and Ottawa, Ottawa, Montreal, there's quite a lot of riders. So I'm sure they can improve it in even small ways that would help out the users, but definitely U.S., right? Like, I know there's U.S. is pretty big, but there's so many people there, and I'm sure people would use it more if it was improved on. Oh, absolutely, for sure. But, yeah, that's what I learned this week. So a lot of train plans. Apparently, there's a one big train plan between Toronto, like the like what it's called, the corridor. So 
Windsor to Quebec City, and there's plans to make a high-speed train. I don't remember if it was from Toronto to Montreal or Toronto all the way to Quebec City, but will we ever see it while we are alive? Who knows? <laughs> That's a plan. Apparently, it's already budget approved and everything. Um, I just don't see it happening. Like, where is it? I need it now. <laughs> exactly. So how are you appreciating? What did you learn this past week? So this past week, something cool I learned. Nothing, I guess somewhat educational, but I learned how to shoot a gun. <laughs> okay, all right. So um, I met up with an old friend of mine, and he took me to the Wascana Pistol Club in Regina when I was in Regina. So got to hold a, like, you know, a pistol and shoot it. And my goodness, like, this pistol was relatively pretty small just like a basic you know gun that they allowed us to shoot for for some beginners but man that was powerful and it's actually scary like it's actually scary how powerful such a small weapon can be um because i had never like held a gun before i had never shot a gun before so it was my first time for everything regarding weapons and it blew my mind like literally it blew my mind well not literally i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that's I mean, you're talking still. So. Yeah, so figuratively, I guess. Um, but it was crazy to learn how to shoot a gun. And the people there were very strict with it, obviously. You know, I was doing small things wrong when I was, like, holding the gun. And they had to correct me a couple times. And they were very, like, professional with it. Obviously, they had to be, you know, you're at a range. And especially you're, you're trusting first-time shooter weapons. Yes. And they were telling us, you know, even with these tiny guns, you could shoot down big, like, um, caribous, elks, and moose. And it was pretty wild because when you think of, you know, regular hunting, you think of rifles or shotguns. But, you know, here I was shooting a tiny pistol. And even then, it was super loud, even with the earmuffs. Um, definitely got better by the end. I think at the beginning, I was only hitting four or five on target but by the end of the night which was like five rounds later i got eight out of ten and apparently to move on to the next set of guns you have to get eight out of ten within the target three times in a row so not that bad so maybe next time i go back i'll try that i, I was looking at some gun ranges in ottawa it's a little bit harder to get he'd go here i think because in regina the club there they have public nights where you know you can go and shoot so it was pretty cool Definitely not something I expected to do when I went to Regina, but I did it nonetheless. Such a cool experience. Um, definitely would go again, but definitely pretty scary. So, I, you know, obviously people that do it long-term for hunting or other purposes, they obviously have used, used to it. And someone like me who has never done that before, it was quite the experience. <laughs> That's, yeah, no, thank you. I'm okay without guns. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know if I... Like hunting, that's a long ways away. When I go back to the range, definitely again, but not anytime soon. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm okay. Like, I mean, I will want to try it once, but not right now. Exactly. So, Andres, you know, besides just rounding on about what we've learned in our past week, what are we talking about this week? So this week, we're talking about current events, and you might be wondering what current event is happening that it has the entire world mourning. Um, so yes, we're going to be talking about, I think in the past, we've talked a little bit about um, 
the monarchy, the royal family, their role in Canadian government and society. But today we're going to talk a little bit more of the current event, which is the passing of uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Exactly. So I think by the time this recording is out, the Queen will have passed away for what? I think five days now. Um, because I believe she officially passed away on Thursday. Yes. It was the 8th. But then I think the they officially said her resting date was the 9th for official purposes, which was a Friday. And obviously, you know, the UK and the Commonwealth, or UK mostly is going to the period of like mourning, I guess, which is supposed to last 12 days, culminating in her ultimate funeral. Mm-hmm. And then with that also, you know, with UK being such a large empire back in the day, and even now their, you know, their influence is all over the world pretty much. And it does affect us here in Canada, even if it's not a big effect, it does have a small effect, whether you're in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, even India, right? Because India was once part of the Commonwealth or part of the colonies. Yes. And obviously, there's, you know, lots of positive that's come out here, but also negative. Um, obviously, if you're from Ireland, you don't have, hap- you have more happier thoughts than ne- sad thoughts right now. But we'll touch up on all that on this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's quite a global, global event. I mean, um she reigned for a very long period of time and i think that's what that is what it is like i mean the death of any member of the royal family of course it attracts media attention but in terms of queen elizabeth it's the fact that like the entire period of time that she reigned and um in a certain way I don't like using the word transcendent, but all the all the all the history of the twentieth century, she was part of it in a certain way, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely, and you know, just interjecting that she ruled for over seventy years, which that's for a lot of people that's almost their whole life. Yeah, like, and that's the thing. Um, I think that's something about the fact that this is even some of the, like people trying to wrap their mind around it is there's people that the only the only monarch, the only queen they had was Queen Elizabeth II for their time period, right? Um, uh, that's what everyone has known. And then I guess like for us, like the monarch that we always saw represented on, you know, the um, on bells and coins was Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> um, that's just um, such a prime figure, and like for everyone, um, that's always been like the main, also like a a stable figure of the UK. You know, like whenever you think about the UK, you thought monarchy, and then you thought Queen Elizabeth. So. Yeah, and it was pretty cool because the other day I saw like this chart showing. So, you know, she was a, I guess she wasn't the head, she was more of a figurehead than anything, right? Because the UK has a prime minister as well. Mm-hmm. But over the years, so UK had seen over like, you know, 10, 
15 prime ministers during her reign. Even Canada, I think we had seen one, two, six, seven, eight, nine, like 12, 13 prime ministers. Um, and even for presidents, I think the count was like around 16 or 17 presidents during her reign. And so in the world where it's constantly changing for the you know, political atmosphere, like you said, you don't want, we don't want to use the word transcend, but she really did do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even like when you look at like other lifetime appointments, which the other besides being um, the queens and the royals, like with the popes, I think she reigned over four popes, which <laughs> that's also a big time because popes, I mean, pubs are usually elected when they're on the older, but they do li- last their lifetime, except for one. <laughs> but the fact that she reigned over the period of time that there were, I think it was three or four popes, that's also like says how much she lived through. Exactly. And I mean, the I guess the ironic thing was she wasn't even supposed to be the queen, right? So it's when her uncle abdicated the throne, her dad took over and eventually she had to take over at the age of, I think it was 21 when she became queen. And, or sorry, 21 or 20, I think 24. Yeah, I believe, yeah, it was between when she was, no, she turned when she was 25. Okay, okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's insane. Such uh, She came at such a young age and she, you know, she was, I would say she was thrust into the spotlight pretty much. Um, and I mean, later on, you know, she was more, like I said, a figurehead than anything. She, most of the decisions are still done through, you know, prime ministers in UK. But even then, like she did, she was looked upon, you know, in high regards by a lot of people, but also the monarchy as a whole is not really looked at, upon by a lot of other people too gladly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just such a, yeah, just, it's just like one of those events that it just, it's just a thing. And kind of like, you know, in a certain way, it puts on like what, like what really is on everyone's mind is what's the, like, what's the future of, of always, you're always asking, what's the future of the royal family when this happens, right? Um. But also what is, for example, what's the, like something that has been on my mind is like, what's the future of the Commonwealth? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, because basically like her father, King George, um, in a certain way was the last one to really hold on to the British empire. And then with Queen Elizabeth, she actually saw the decolonization of that such empire, but in order to, in a certain way, keep the, well, they're like those colonies together kind of like looking at the commonwealth and like the formation of the commonwealth and what that would look like and trying to keep as much together as she could right um so it's now that that's the figure that really kind of like was the figurehead of the commonwealth is at, like has passed what does that mean for the commonwealth like Uh, I know it's still like, you know, we still have a monarch, now King Charles, but in a certain way, it still doesn't feel the same. 
Exactly. And I think a lot of people in the Commonwealth, you know, whether you're in, like I said, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the, you know, the monarchy is more of just a symbol more than anything at this point. Um, obviously, when we pass, you know, different laws and stuff, the they still have to give their stamp of approval, I guess, officially. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Canada's been independent. We do our own thing. And I think a lot of, I've, you know, I, I can't say a lot of people throughout the country, but I've, it seems like the consensus is that we don't really need the monarchy. You know, we can do our own thing without even having them as a symbol, which I could see that as well, right? Like Canada, like I said, it's been pretty independent. We don't really need the monarchy to overlook us because we're not kids anymore. We have been around for more than 150 years. <laughs> yeah. So definitely I see that sentiment, but it's it's... I think it's pretty cool. I know a lot of people also don't like the monarchy and just not, not even like, you know, the British monarchy, but monarchies in general, you know, like even for me coming from Nepal, which we had a monarchy for a long, long time. A lot of people don't like monarchy because, you know, they use up a lot of taxpayer monies and just like money from the government. But at the end of the day, it's, it's pretty cool to see, you know, how monarchies work and over time what countries have become no longer monarchies or how some are still surviving to this day it is yeah it's incredible and i mean the fact that the royal family has survived all of this period of time you just like a certain part is just like what they represent right um and like yeah there's a lot of conversation about what the monarchy really represents and what it does and the fact that it has on different types of people which completely see, completely uh, understand this point of view. Um, I don't know, it's been at least from my end when I read news and all of that, just like there's that this countering of positions uh, about what is happening and kind of like seeing some people being like, oh, we don't have to mourn her, this, this or that, and really opposing what's going on right now in terms of Uh, all the different protocols and things that are happening to mourn uh, the queen and then other people that are really big stands of the royal family. Uh, I don't know. It just looks a little like a conversation that has opened some other wounds, which are completely understand why. But, you know, there's like a very, there's like a balance in terms of what to say and when to say it you know (laughs) and that's kind of like where like I've been being like at least in myself I've been being pulled in different ways just on kind of like how this has been how this has been covered from different media so yeah I don't know it's just it's just one of those historic like I said one of those historic moments that um yeah it's just at least for me like I said it's everything that the queen for me the main thing is like what the queen lived through like what does that mean like a stable figure for all the 20th century and the very beginning of the 21st century um everything she had to go through everything that the world went through and you know at the end of the day being uh like for us we can express ourselves we can provide our political point of views, but I can only imagine for her as a member of the royal family and then 70 years on 
plus on the crown, not being able, like in the public, not being able to express that, the amount of energy and the amount of effort sometimes it took to restrain herself for having certain opinions, you know? Yep, exactly. And, you know, it's one of those events where we're always going to look back and remember it, right? Whether it's for good or bad, like it's, you know, going back to, especially recently being 9-11 as well. It's one of those events where you say, you know, you ask where you were when this happened. And even, you know, like I'm sure a lot of us, whether we feel one way or another, we're going to remember what we were doing when the queen, one of the longest serving, you know, rulers of the world passed away. Exactly. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, as it is a head of state of many Commonwealth realms and yeah, it's, it's an event that has an impact. I mean, um, it has impact on certain people. Um, just imagine everyone that was throughout her life, right? Uh, everyone who was there either to serve or kind of like worked for her at the different places, uh, what that meant um, for them to have someone of that magnitude pass away. Um, kind of like also the pressure right now on the royal family um, to see what's next, especially uh, having Charles step up as king. Uh, I think that's a very controversial topic. Uh, and uh, we'll see what the public thinks. And I think that some of the things that people are talking about is uh, having Charles step up as king, his king right now, because uh, there's always someone on, on the throne. The throne is never empty. Um, so I think that's also a conversation that uh, people are wondering what will happen. Is he actually going to stay as king? Will he abdicate? Will he pass on the crown to his, uh, to William? Who knows, right? <laughs> so, um, and then, yeah, it's just, I mean, little things, right? Like, kind of, I think we're still figuring out what's going to happen. I mean, when it comes to little things like bills and coins, like what's going to happen? I mean, is, are all the coins and bills going to get recycled, like going to get changed? Um, what's it going to be like? Um, because literally the queen is in every 20 <laughs> that is circulating around the country. So so what's it going to look like? And same for, uh, for example, in the UK, little changes like, People like have learned their national anthem to be God Save the Queen and now having to change that to a very simple God Save the King, which has been sung before, but for many people's life, that's not the version that they've learned, you know? So there's very subtle changes, but they do have an impact, uh, like and a very big impact, right? Like having to change like the one word on a national anthem still has a pretty big significance. Exactly. And one, you know, one thing I thought of when you brought up King Charles now is the fact he's like, what, 70 or 72 and he's just starting his job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, most people by that age would be retiring, but it's pretty cool to see he's just starting his role, which, you know, is really what makes Elizabeth really 
she stood on the throne for so long. And secondly, you're absolutely right. It is going to affect Canada in not big ways, obviously, but small ways, you know, with the coins. And even, you know, in the national anthem for the UK, they have to say, God save the king instead of God save the queen. And small things like that, obviously, it's going to affect a lot of the Commonwealth countries. And overall, you know, I think one of the biggest questions, like you alluded to, was where does Canada and our other countries in the Commonwealth go from here? Do we distance ourselves completely and say, hey, we want to do our own thing? Or do we keep the ties? And honestly, I don't see anything changing right now, especially because I feel like, you know, Justin Trudeau, he really looked up to Queen Elizabeth from what uh, it's, you know, it seems like that when his dad was prime minister, he hung out with Queen Elizabeth when he was a younger kid, boy. So Elizabeth is someone definitely he, that he's a fond of. So, and especially even the rest of the country, I feel like, you know, the people in political power, they do look up, they do look up to the Queen for, I guess, almost like a guidance. So I don't think it's going to change right away. And Maybe over, you know, the next decade or so, we'll distance ourselves a little bit more. But then again, on the flip side, you know, once Charles is older and he passes away and, you know, William becomes the king, it's a whole new generation, right? Prince William, he's a lot younger than the other other monarchies, uh, you know, people that were holding power, such as Elizabeth, Elizabeth and Charles. So maybe he'll bring a new wave of monarchy or maybe... Even UK, you know, they'll abolish the monarchy outright, which would be very historic, considering they've been monarchy forever. <laughs> very true. I, I I don't see that coming. I think I see more the dissociation of the United Kingdom first, <laughs> rather than the monarchy being abolished. Um, but um, yeah, it's just like that's like the thing, right? Like Charles is just starting, but he's also already a senior. Like he's already of old age, technically, uh, technically speaking. So I think that's part of it. Is just like um, at the end of the day, like, do we want to see like in twenty, like realistically, anything between ten, fifteen years to twenty, twenty-five years? And then having like to go through this again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, through the entire again through the passing and the mourning period of a monarch, and then um, all the process of coronating a new king and all of that. It's just like when you look at it, it's just like, hmm. Or do we maybe like the UK stays with someone that will be hopefully in the crown for a longer period of time, right? Uh, and this is just what other like what I've read from like people that are involved in economics and finances and all of that is just the impact that this is having on the UK's economy and having to have this impact again in God knows when right but it's like definitely like a short period of time um, when compared to what would have could be a longer period of time if. Uh, if King Charles were to abdicate and leave the throne to William. Yeah, it's it, it will be interesting to see. I personally think he will stay, you know, on the throne, keep the crown, because he's been waiting his whole life to become king too, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. so. And I like and then just like what we know about Charles and everything, he probably does want the crown. Um, yep, exactly. So, and on that, I that's the thing, right? Like 
we have this idea of what the monarchy should look like based on the way Queen Elizabeth portrayed herself to the world. And now it's trying to get used to the way uh, King Charles will, is going to do that. I don't know if, I don't like temper and personality wise, he seemed to be very different from the queen, right? Mm-hmm. So it's also getting used to him in a public setting, which is very different. Plus, and this is more me personally, uh, than having to see Camilla as queen concert. Doesn't rough me the right way. Yep, exactly. And, you know, I think, like you said, it will be interesting to see what they do. And because, like, you know, even relating it to my life a little bit, when in Nepal, we had a monarchy for the longest time. Um, you know, one of our first, the first king in Nepal, Prithivinarayan Shah, he united Nepal back in 1743, I believe. And since then, we've had quite a lot of kings rule, but it ended in 2001 when one of the crown prince ended up killing his, you know, father who was king at that time as well as his mom the queen at that time and some of his family member over you know domestic disputes and obviously we had a king after that for a little bit but then after a while in the last reign was around 2008 so seven years after the royal massacre and even now i know a lot of people in nepal want you know a monarchy but that's because they've been brought up with that, right? A lot of the older generation, they had monarchy and like it's similar to the UK. It was their constant for a country full of chaos at that time. But I know a lot of people on the other side don't want a monarchy because it costs a lot, a lot to keep them around, right? Whether it's travel costs, security costs, whatever cost. Um, one cool thing I learned when I was in my Euro trip a couple months ago was I believe this was either in Sweden or Denmark. I forget which country, but the royal family there actually brings in more money than they spend on like security and everything else on them, which is pretty cool. But in Nepal, and I'm sure UK, those aren't the cases. Maybe it is the case in the UK. In Nepal, definitely, you know, the royal family was getting a lot of money, a lot of the, you know, privileges but they weren't really giving out too many to the people of course there were, we had some amazing kings that further advanced nepal as a country and you know implemented a lot of cool and amazing ideas for the country but overall you know it took away a lot of wealth from the people towards a monarchy and so i think a lot of people still feel the same about that you know agree with that sentiment even in the uk as well so definitely it's going to be interesting to then see the next generation not right away not you know, in the next year or two, but definitely down the road, 10, 15, 20 years from now to see where people sit and stand, um, especially in a, they're always doing crazy things. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, no. Well, on that, yeah, I saw, um, I saw some documentaries and everything about the cost of the royal family. And I think it's the main thing, like across Europe, they actually the royal families bring, uh, bring more uh, than what they cost to, what it cost to the public, to the country, and so it's the same case in the UK. Uh, the monarchy brings a lot of money, and uh, when compared to what the cost is, uh, the only thing is like, um, it's like how big do you want the royal family to be? So that's kind of like why, at least in the UK, they've been making cuts of who gets what, 
um, who gets kind of like in a way money uh, from all like from the government in a certain way to um, to be able to make those costs and those expenses. So in a certain way, what a lot of like this is just generally all throughout, at least in Europe, what they've been doing is reducing the size of what of who gets those benefits of the royal family being covered by uh, by the government. And that was one of the big things of kind of like of debate, right? Was the fact of um, even with Queen Elizabeth, like when it came to her kids was like who, uh, who gets the level of security and everything that will be covered by like expenses and the budget from the government. Right, and I think I remember. I think it was Princess Anne. Uh, Princess Anne was just like, no, <laughs> like we're okay, right? Um, but then, for example, Prince Andrew was really. I'm pretty sure it was Prince Andrew that was very adamant that he still wanted to have security for him and uh, her, uh, his kids, and there was like a big debacle because we're looking at literally the line of succession, Prince Andrew is really, um, is like, there's so many people in front of Prince Andrew and uh, his, uh, his kids that just, it was co- it's costing a lot of it, right? Um, so it's kind of like a lot diminishing. And yeah, the, I mean, the royal family brings a lot of money just even from the land that they own in a way. Exactly. Yep. So definitely a lot of things to consider. I'm glad, you know, we're not part of that process because I, <laughs> I, it, it would be very stressful and like it does affect a lot of people, right? As much as we say, oh, it doesn't really affect a lot of people. It, I think it truly, truly does. Even, you know, if you're in a country such as we live in Canada or you're directly in the, you know, living in England, there's a lot of things to consider many things to consider and I mean it's just an entire process and uh, I mean it was until now that I learned that there was an entire different plan for the passing of Queen Elizabeth Elizabeth, if it happened in Scotland because there has been a lot of press coverage and I think this is a lot of why also like about the media they keep on calling it uh, Operation London Bridge uh, which is a wide operation once the Queen makes it to London and if the Queen have passed in London, uh, but there was an entire different, uh, the first couple of days, there was an entire different uh, plan in place uh, if she were to pass in Scotland because uh, um, the Queen enjoyed spending time in Scotland. Uh, she loved being there when she needed a break. She would always go to Scotland. Um, so the uh, session, uh, kind of like the operation for that. Actually, it has a cute name. It's called Operation Unicorn. <laughs> yep, uh, I saw that too. Yeah, and that's like kind of like on the press. They, a lot of people keep on referring it to it as Operation London Bridge, which is not accurate. Like, yes, once the Queen makes it to London, Operation Unicorn joins operate like uh, the Operation Unicorn start and like there's going to be kind of like an intersection with Operation London Bridge and then the rest of the entire activities to for Morn and the funeral are, co- are part of the Operation London Bridge but when she passed 
the plan that got activated was Operation Unicorn, not necessarily Operation London Bridge. So that's just something that uh, not many of us knew about it, uh, but it's something to take note because that's like the first couple of days after her passing looked very different to what Operation London Bridge described because she passed in Scotland. So then there are activities that need to happen in Scotland before she makes her way to London. Absolutely. And another thing that I noticed, you know, on turning on Twitter and news sites was all of her grandchildren or the ones that people care about, William, um, Harry, Kate, and Megan, they all came together to meet the crowds and, you know, just attend, attend, attend the different ceremonies that they've been putting on. And obviously for the Royal watchers, you know, that have watched the weddings over the years and the different ceremonies, obviously that was a big deal because there's so much controversy around the Royal family all the time. So it was really nice to see, you know, all like the children and the grandchildren come together for their grandma and the queen. Absolutely. And it's like, and this is the thing, it's still at the very end, it is like, there's family matters, and like, they're going through grief, right? Like, their royal family is going through grief, and of course, like, the world, the country, all, like, many different levels of society are going through grief, but at the end of the day, they are a family that are going to go through grief, and something that I've not been liking is that the way that the media sometimes has been pressing and trying to cover certain storylines in order to, I don't know if it's to get uh, to get like a reaction out of people or to try to, you know, keep on um, steering the pot. But I saw many media articles you like, oh, look at Harry's and Meghan's behavior compared to Williams and Kate's and oh, what Charles said or what the royal family are doing right now. Like, yeah, they're in the public eye, but I don't think it's the time or like the time to actually be trying to run gossip media at the point, you know, when many people are experiencing a period of mourning and in a certain way to respect the grief period that them as a family are going through. Absolutely. And along the lines of that, I know a lot of people on Twitter, the people that were happy about her passing, such as, you know, on Twitter, the terms Irish Twitter and Black Twitter, they were very happy with it because obviously, you know, the UK's and England's long history of all the things, you know, people didn't like, you know, such colonizing or the oppressive nature of their rule. But at the end of the day, the way I feel is, you know what? Yeah, there's always, always going to be shitty things that happen historically. But on someone's, you know, especially someone like Queen Elizabeth, when they pass away, I think you can take just a second to just say nothing at all, you know, if you can't say anything nice, which is fair because people are allowed to say whatever they want to say. But sometimes I know it was quite the negative. And on top of that, this other thing that I saw trending on Twitter was this guy was heckling Prince Andrew because, you know, he's been known to have connection with Jeffrey Epstein. And he he was heckling Prince Andrew and then he got arrested for it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I believe he also got beat up by like, you know, the royal people that follow the royal 
Royals intensively. And I don't think they faced any repercussion for hitting this guy. Yet this guy, you know, just, I guess, harassed, verbally harassed Transandria and he got arrested for it. I know. Wild stories coming out of it. So and a lot of people traveling to London also. Yeah. So definitely interesting to see the, you know, different dynamics from different people around the world. And, you know, no matter how much you want to ignore it, you can because it is definitely one of those big moments in history that we'll talk about for some time. Absolutely. Well, at least here in Canada, federally, some people are getting the Monday, September 19th. I believe it is off. Um, but some of us aren't because our premiers chose not to. <laughs> See, I got lucky because I just switched my jobs, like I've been mentioning. So I will get next Monday off, which is pretty nice, um, considering I wouldn't have got it off. But, you know, uh, we'll, I'll take any holidays I get. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it is fair. I mean, then to her, I feel, yeah, I don't know. It's just... At the end of the day, my belief is like she's still the head of state of all of Canada, right? So as a country, we should show our mourning for her. <laughs> and the day should be given to everyone. Um, I know it becomes comes down to the provinces and territories to decide, but that's my belief. Because um, at the end of the day, if the head of state would still in a certain way, it's a head of state for all the provinces. So, yep, absolutely. But with Legault, you never know. He will do <laughs> anything to go on the contrary. And probably he did it because he's like, we're a nation and she's not our head of state or something to those regards to separate himself further from, from the country. Oh, God. But that's a different conversation. Yep, we are. Well, even Doug Ford, he said he's not going to do it. But I feel like a lot of provinces won't go with it. And federally, it makes sense. But you know what? I think you're absolutely right. It should be like a consistent thing, which, you know, with countries like U.S. and Canada, you're never going to get agreement on everything. But nonetheless, we'll do what we can. Exactly. We do our best. But yeah, so that is it. So the U.K. is going into a very long period of mourning. Um, so we'll see what else comes up throughout the couple of days. Um, the only thing is just be respectful. At the end of the day, you can share your opinion as long as you're being respectful. Yep, exactly. And I know not everyone can or will do that, but nonetheless, we'll do, like I said, we'll do our parts. And even though the queen hasn't directly affected me in any way, I think I still, I can still, you know, look at her life and say she lived pretty well. Oh, yes, she did live pretty well. We'll just have to wonder what will happen with the little corgis. <laughs> yep. All right, well, Shang, so as we wrap up today's episode, what are you looking forward to? So for this week, I'm looking forward to, you know, my first week on the job. Um, as I've been alluding to the last couple of weeks and today, I started my new job at the National Capital Commission as a data analyst. So something different than what I've been doing for the last four or five years. Um, not It is engineering related because it's still under design and construction, but the role will be different than I, what I've been doing. So it'll be cool to see what I can do in this shop and how it will help me for the future because I still don't know what I want to do in my career, even though I'm four or five years in. 
Um, hopefully this will, you know, give me more clarity whether I want to continue with this or go back to engineering later. But for now, I'm going to enjoy this first week, enjoy learning about this role, um, NCC, as well as everything else I can, and then we'll go further. But that's my week for this week. Andres, what are you looking forward to for this upcoming week? Uh, for this upcoming week, I'm looking forward to getting my life together <laughs> in a certain way. Um, and then the other thing I'm looking forward to is honestly, I'm looking forward to my Fridays off in which I have no classes, no work, nothing. So I'm very excited about that. Um, yeah, just enjoying the last little bit of of kind of like the easy period in terms of school because uh, then already it's a lot of readings but it's just going to get heavier and heavier so I'm just really excited about um, I'm really excited about just enjoying like the first couple of weeks of class uh, it's nice to see my friends so um, we got out nice after a long period of, of not like doing things all together uh, since August I believe um, it's just nice to finally get some plans going and finally getting getting back together with a gang. We love it. Yeah, so that's it for this week's episode. So appreciate where can our listeners reach out to us? So like always, if you have any comments, concerns, questions, or crybaby stuff, or you want to talk to us about the Queen, or if you want to rant about the Queen, let us know, talk to us, send us a message on our Twitter or Instagram at the two average brambles we'll be happy to listen to you rant cry or any of the above exactly we're always here to listen to your opinions but other than that thank you for tuning in for another episode of the two average brambles podcast hope you're enjoying it and we'll catch up with you next week with a brand new episode other than that have a good rest of your day week whenever you're listening to this too bye see ya